Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Got to start where we've been kicking off. We're talking about the reigning spirit. We're talking about yielding to and following the Holy Spirit. If you haven't figured out the reigning spirit is the Holy Spirit yet, he is no other spirit but the Holy Spirit. But we understand this, he's not the only spirit. He's the Holy Spirit, but we have to define him as the Holy Spirit because there are unholy spirits, false spirits, false spirits that move upon false teachers to deliver false teachings, false doctrine. So we are understanding this year and here at the beginning of this year, the necessity to follow the Holy Spirit, the reigning spirit. Reigning means he's in charge. Reigning means it's his rule. Reigning means uh, it's his commands that we follow. Therefore, we are submitted to the reigning spirit. We've looked at many different facets already last week. We began to dive into the part of the verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. that says uh, in the New King James, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, those three words we saw last week, giving heed to. Everyone say that with me. Say giving, giving heed to. We are understanding the power of our attention. We're understanding the power of what we give our attention to. We're understanding the power of what we pay close attention to. And we saw uh, many references last week, not all of them, but many that direct us, instruct us, command us to pay pay attention to my words, pay close attention to my direction that the word of the Lord came to Joshua in chapter one and said, do not turn from it from, to the right or to the left, but follow it strictly, the commands of Moses, and then you'll be successful in all your ways, that there is a necessity for our attention. And this is what we understand. Our attention reveals our devotion. Another translation of this passage reads that they were devoted to Instead of giving heed to, it states they were devoted to. And this is the key that we saw uh, last week, and we're going to build on this this week, is your life is not a matter of if you're giving devotion. It's a matter of what you're giving your devotion to. Everybody in here is devoted to something. Everyone in here, something's demanding your time. Something's demanding your effort. Something's demanding your energy. There's something you're devoted to. You say, well, I'm not devoted to anything. Well, then you're devoted to not being devoted. (laughs) That is your devotion. I remember, you know, we, we taught one time, I think it was the youth we were teaching, the youth about, you know, your passions and 
you know, everybody's passionate about something. And I had a mom tell me, well, my son, he's not passionate about anything. He just sleeps all day. And I said, he's passionate about sleep. <laughs> you might think it's passive or it's not requiring my energy, but you are giving your energy to something. You are giving your efforts to something. You are yielding yourself in a direction. It's not a matter of if you are, it's a matter of what you're giving your devotion to. And we saw that last week. We saw the necessity to be devoted to the Holy Spirit and to his voice. They were giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. We said this last week, four ways that we can ensure we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Four ways that we can ensure that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number one is loving God's word. Loving God's word. Number two, obeying God's word and fully obey. Don't partway obey. Don't delay disobey. Obey. The quicker, actually I would say, I'd put it to you this way. The, to the degree of your quickness will be the degree of your answer. How quick you respond to the Holy Spirit will be the degree by which you see the Holy Spirit work and move in your life. Number three, we said grow in God's word, that we shouldn't remain infants only desiring or feeding on the milk of the word. We have several uh, occasions in the word. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 in Hebrews chapter 5 that encourages us to move beyond the milk of the word, get into the meat of the word. We should be growing in God's word, desiring deeper revelation, growing in progressive revelation, seeing the same verse, but all the facets and all the sides and all the elements. And the great thing about it is his word is living and active. You cannot outdo or outperform the, well, I got that one all down. Move on to the next verse. You come back to it next year, absolutely. Show you something you never saw before. And you're gonna be like, that was there the whole time? Absolutely. How many of you are getting your minds blown on Wednesday night looking at some verses we've always seen and always known, but the kingdom of God is now the lens and it's, it's, it's coming through even clearer. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Eyes to see and ears to hear. And then lastly, we saw number four, sharing God's word. Share God's word. There in Hebrews chapter five, he says, by this time, you ought to have been teachers. You ought to have been able to give it, teach it, communicate it beyond just you. You are ministers of the gospel. You are being equipped for the work of ministry. We'll see that here in just a moment. You don't have to have a microphone in your hand. You don't have to have an outline and a Bible and notes. You get the word in your heart and then you let that come out of your mouth in whatever sphere of influence. Some of you have testimonies. Testify of the goodness of the Lord. Testify. We defeat him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. I tell people every time you are giving your testimony, you're kicking the devil's teeth in and you're helping somebody else overcome in an arena where you've struggled. Now, you don't have to have gone through something to help somebody else. 
Let's get away from that thinking because Jesus didn't go through nothing we go through. He was tempted on all accounts, but he didn't have to give in. You know, we, we, we don't like the testimonies where someone says, I was tempted by that, but I didn't give in. We always want to hear of somebody else when they failed. Why is that? I want to hear people that are victorious. You know, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes today playing in the Super Bowl wants to talk to a quarterback that has performed well in a Super Bowl, who do you think he wants to talk to? If he could call up anybody, you get one phone call. Who's he calling? Tom Brady. With seven Super Bowls. Been there 10 times, lost three, won seven. Nobody's even come close. Now, you don't want to talk to the guys that have been there but can't get over the hump. I got there, but I failed. I didn't show up when they needed me most. No, you want to talk to somebody that was victorious? Well, we need to do this in the spirit. I want to talk to the giants in the room. I'm not intimidated. Man, I keep failing in that arena, but you keep overcoming. Show me what you're doing so I can overcome like you. Doesn't anybody want to do that? No, we just want to surround ourselves with people that are just as broken as we are, and we all sit in the well together, singing kumbaya, and if, if only we could get out. Now nah, I'm getting around some giants. I'm getting around some victors. I'm getting around some people that have performed well under pressure, that have endured and persevered to the end. I know your flesh is like, give me somebody that's hurting as bad as I am. <laughs> but your spirit is saying, give me a conqueror. Give me someone that's well able. Give me someone that's been there, done that, has the t-shirt. Come on. You know, if I'm, if I'm feeling down in ministry and unsuccessful or, you know, what are we really doing? You know, I could easily find a, a slew of pastors that have been hurt by the church, met the challenges of the church. People left them. The finances weren't there. They cast vision and nobody got on board. And whoa, what a, what a pain it was in church. And oh, we're just, you know, certain, you know, slaving for Jesus. I could easily get around those folks. I want to get around the Daryl Huffmans and the Kenneth Hagins and the, the, the John Bevere's and the Rick Red. I want to get around the people people that have performed well in those moments and say, man, we came out on the other side. You can do it too. Hallelujah. So we need to share God's word. Notice all three of those in ensuring you hear the voice of the spirit. You have to have a value for the word. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to love the word of God. Grow in the word of God. Share the word of God. Obey the word of God. And this is what happens is we desire the things of the spirit at the expense of the word. We desire a new revelation. We desire a tongue and interpretation. We desire a prophecy. We desire a word of exhortation. We desire a word of edification. We desire a word, a word, a word. But we won't go and yield ourselves to the word that we already have. If you never got another prophetic word, if God never spoke prophetically in the earth, you have enough right here to sustain you till he comes. And it will remain. Yesterday, today, and forever, it will not fade as the flowers do. It will not lose its power. It will not lose its value. It will not lose its worth. We're gonna have to go back to the word of God. 
Today, I want to talk to you about the drift of delusion. The drift of delusion. You know, of anything that, that I think can identify our culture and our world today, this one word, delusion, is the one that stands out to me. It's delusional. Delusion. And I think that we need to identify some things in how this deception really operates. Because he says there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that they're giving heed to seducing spirits, deceiving spirits. I've heard deceived people quote that verse. In fact, that's one of their favorite ones. You know what I call that? Delusional. (laughs) It's delusional to look a verse square in the eye, not even recognize it's identifying you. Wouldn't that be horrible? To look in a mirror at yourself and think it's somebody else. That's delusion. Now you can say, well, I mean, that could be any of us. Any of us could be using that verse and be falling prey to it at the same time. You're right. How can you know? I started you off last week with great four great ways. When I start seeing an indication of a waning value of the word of God in someone's life, you're on a track that's not gonna lead you where you wanna be. I don't see a value for scripture. I don't see a maintaining of obedience to it and adherence to it, to his commands. And let me just be very clear, not just the letter of the law, the spirit of the law. Oh man, it's dangerous when you know the letter of the law and you don't know the spirit of the law. That means you're not close to the heart of the Father, you just know his words. You need to be close to the heart of the Father, close to his nature. In Genesis chapter three, Genesis chapter three, we already know where we're going. The serpent in the garden. In verse one, the New Living Translation reads, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God has made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, there it is. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat Fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So right there, three verses in, we're already seeing that there wasn't the complete remaining united with the word of God because she what? She added to it. Do not eat it or even touch it. Well, God never said anything about touching it. He just said, don't eat it. 
So what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is when she goes to touch it and nothing happens, guess what she's thinking? If I eat it, nothing will happen. Well, she added something to it that shouldn't have been there. Now, you could say that this could be tied to what we talked about last week, a lack of devotion. Because guess what? If you're devoted to the word, guys, look, if we can, if we can get deceived off of one command, <laughs> how easy do you think it is for us today? They had one command. One command, do not eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And the enemy used that word, twisted it just a little bit. Remember when the enemy asks questions, he's not asking a question to reveal truth. He's asking a question to conceal truth, to hide it. Did God really say? He's asking to challenge it, to question it. Guys, we don't always ask questions with the right intent. We don't always ask questions with the right heart. We don't always ask questions. We need a, 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 a heart that says, I want to be teachable. I want to learn more. I want to go deeper. I want to discover further. You know, the Pharisees asked Jesus a bunch of questions, but they weren't sitting in the classroom of life, were they? No, they were looking to trip him up. They were looking to trap him. They were looking to test him. This is what the Bible tells us. The, the Bible gives us insight into their heart and says they weren't really wanting to know. They just wanted to test him, to entrap him in front of other people, to trip him up. So we have to be careful with those questions. Someone said, well, you know, that's how you become a learner is by asking questions. Well, it's based on the heart that's asking the questions. Caring about you, amen. The devil's asking a question, did God really say? You think he's inquiring about, you know, I, I just wanna make sure I'm in alignment with his word. You know, I, I understand the king gave you instruction and, and I just wanna be in perfect alignment and obedience with that. So would you please uh, uh, just help fill me in? Did he say? No, he's trying to trip him up. And the moment Eve answered out of line of God's word, guess what he saw? An open door. Guess what he's found? An open door. Now, she shouldn't be engaging this serpent in the first place, should she? What did, what did Genesis chapter one, verse 26 say? Let them have dominion over fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over every creeping thing that crawls on the earth. Does the snake qualify? And at this time, he was crawling because he had arms and legs. It wasn't until the curse later on that said, you will now go on your belly the rest of your days. No, he's crawling around on the earth within the sphere of the domain and the authority that God gave to Adam and Eve. That's your dominion exercise your rule. We said this Wednesday night, they didn't need to even cry out to God. God, there's this creepy snake down here and he's trying to get us to disobey your word. I need you to come down and do something about it. No, Genesis 1 tells us that they had dominion and they could have easily said, excuse me, who are you? Get out. 
They didn't need a shovel. They didn't need a gun. All they needed was the word. The word. One word from God. Spirits have to flee. Come on, oppression has to go. Deliverance has to show at the word of God. All they needed was a word and they didn't align their word with his word. He says, you won't die, verse four. For God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Verse six says this, the woman was convinced. Guys, this is in paradise. Y'all understand that right? This is in perfect harmony with the, oh, if I could just be closer to the father, I would obey him. No, you wouldn't. It's not a guarantee. If we could just get rid of sin in the earth, God was coming down in the cool of the day. (laughs) I just go ahead and let you know, you got it better than Adam and Eve. You got the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And we still disobey him. Even in paradise, we have a failure of man. Even in paradise. And now it says the woman was convinced. Everyone say convinced. Convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And at that moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. See, this is what happens when women pick where we're gonna eat. (laughs) So in that conversation in the car on the way out of here, when your wife says, where we go, you better pick a place. Don't say, I don't know, wherever you want to go. <laughs> Amen. Y'all okay? I thought that I thought you needed a little break. Give you something to laugh about. The joy of the Lord is your strength this morning. Amen. It's the two questions that are asked in every vehicle on the way home. What'd you learn about today in church? Jesus, where are we going to go eat? And you fight about it until you finally just drive into a parking lot somewhere. I know. It, I am human like you. This word shrewdest here in the New Living, in the New King James, it's the word cunning. He was the most cunning. It means subtle. It means tricky. Subtle. Tricky, smooth, deceptive. Webster's reads it this way. A skill employed in a shrewd or sly manner. I mean, guys, we have the warning. We have 
First Timothy chapter four, we have the warning. They will fall away from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You think that would be enough to say, you ain't deceiving me. I mean, does anybody wanna be in that group or does anybody wanna be in the group that remains in the faith until the end? That, that's me. I see two or three hands, there'll be a few of us. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I wanna endure all the way and say, I did not get distracted. I did not get caught off guard. I did not listen to a seducing spirit, a deceiving spirit. I stayed, I stayed guard. I wanna be in that group. And we've got the warning that tells us exactly how. Wouldn't that be awful if he wrote to Timothy and said, I have no idea how, but they fall away. I can't tell you what exactly takes place. Just watch out. No, he tells us, giving heed to. Doctrines of demons, seducing spirits. Well, it's because they're subtle. It actually even says this in Webster's, artfully subtle. That means the enemy gives great effort to be as deceptive and luring as possible. The enemy makes a great effort to be as luring and deceptive as possible. It's what he does best. Wednesday night, in our study, we looked at Matthew chapter four, which is the contrast of Genesis chapter three. It's Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, not because he fell, not because he failed, not because he did anything wrong, led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. And what does the devil use to try to draw Jesus off? Scripture. Some of the most deceptive people on the planet today know the most scripture on the planet today. So what's the answer? Not know scripture? Well, of course not. Well, because we covered that last week. You gotta love God's word, obey God's word, grow in God's word, share God's word. All has to do with God's word. No, there's another element. Do you know the nature of the Father? Because if I know his word without knowing his nature, then I will use his word for the enemy rather than for the king. Come on, the devil knows scripture better than we do, guys. And he's already proven in Matthew chapter four, if he'll go to Jesus with the word, he'll definitely go to you with the word. If he has the boldness and the audacity to go to the word with the word, <laughs> he's coming to your house with scripture, with signs, with the awe and the wonder. I'm telling you, there's some folks that are crying out for miracles, signs, and wonders, and for revival to hit our land that are being used of the enemy, not of God. Because the devil can do it too. He can manufacture it. No, how do we understand staying away? The devil operates in deception. Put that first point up for me. 
I'm gonna read this because when the Lord gave this to me, I wanna say it exactly as, as he gave it to me. The purpose of the counterfeit is not merely to create an alternative. The purpose of the counterfeit is to create an, an alternative that can be mistaken for the authentic. We have it, guys? Yep. The purpose of the counterfeit is not to merely create an alternative. The purpose of the counterfeit is to create an alternative that can be mistaken as the authentic. Deception is the purpose. Deception, to fool, to trick, to make it think you're accepting this, but you're really accepting this. The enemy was not just offering another option to Adam and Eve in the garden. He was adding an option that would do better than the original option, that would replace the authentic option, that would replace the very word of God. Not just as another solution, not just as a a suggestion, but as this will do for you what that cannot. And anytime someone makes counterfeit money, I worked in a bank for five years before uh, entering full-time ministry, and they put stacks of money in our hand and we had to go through and lay aside the counterfeit and lay aside the authentic. And when someone makes a counterfeit bill, they're not creating just another option for you to use. They're creating an option for you to use that will replace the authentic option for you to use. It's with the intent to deceive. It's with the intent to sway. It's, the, it's with the intent for you to place more emphasis on the fake one than the real one, to treat the fake one as the real one, to treat the lie as truth, then you treat the tr- Listen to this, guys. What happens if you replace a truth with a lie? You're also replacing the lie for truth. It works both ways. Surely you will not die. Now God's word is bowing to the enemy's word. Now God is made out to be a liar every time and the enemy is made out to be the one telling the truth. Every time we flip this upside down, you're not just creating another truth. Let's take an easy one for our culture today. There are two genders, two sexes, two ways to identify biologically, male and female. But if I take that, I'm not just adding another option of binary and I don't even know, whatever other labels there are. I'm also denouncing the truth You can't have both is what I'm saying. You either die when you eat the fruit or you don't die when you eat the fruit. It's not both. It's always introduced with the intent to deceive. It's always introduced with the intent to lure you away from the truth so you believe the lie more than you believe the truth and now the truth becomes a lie in your life. 
Romans chapter one shows this to us. While you're going to Romans chapter one, guys, I want you to throw these verses on the screen. You can write these verses down for the sake of time. I want you to turn to Romans chapter one in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on all of God's armor. You guys staying with me? Ephesians 6.11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. What do you think his strategies are? That shows you effort. That shows you resource, that he's strategizing to pick you off. He's strategizing to lure you away. He's strategizing. Not just, let me just give you another option. I want my option to replace God's option. In 1 Peter chapter five, stay alert. Verse eight, 1 Peter five, verse eight, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Why do I need to stay alert? Because it's not just blatant in your face. There's a deceptiveness to it. There is a luring to it. There's a seductiveness to it, an attractiveness that it can easily look like the authentic unless we know how to pick it apart. unless we're doing what we said last week, ensuring that we can hear the voice of the Spirit by loving the voice of, uh, or by loving God's word. Revelation chapter 12, verse nine. Revelation 12, verse nine. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. The one deceiving the whole world. This is how he operates. He's not running around in a red jumpsuit with horns and a pitchfork. He comes to you looking like, sounding like, acting like the authentic. And I just took you to Genesis chapter three. It's the very beginning. And he's still doing the same thing. Still operating the same Way Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one shows us a little deeper of what this deception looks like. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness, watch this, suppress the truth. This is the thing, guys. The more unrighteous we become, we silence the truth and we empower the lie. This is why righteousness, purity, holiness is so vital because when we don't live holy, it brings God's word into question. When we don't live pure, it brings, it, it taints God's word. It laces it with deception. It laces it with evil. When we don't maintain the value of purity and the value of holiness, when we're living however we want as the church now, not the world, as the church, the word of God is sacrificed on the altar of what we want to do. Shown it to pressing the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. We're not gonna be able to have an excuse. Adam and Eve didn't have an excuse. Well, it just, it, it sounded so good. It sounded friendly. It, it, it looked better than your option. He said we would be more like God. No excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. See, the more you yield to a lie, the more you become the lie. That your minds will be turned off from the truth. You can't even accept truth anymore. Your hearts won't even be able to, they'll become hard, stony ground. And when the seed of truth is sown, it'll fall along the wayside. You can't even take it in much less bear fruit. Their hearts were darkened. Darkness, by the way, always speaks to ignorance. Light always speaks to knowledge. That's why in Ephesians chapter three, Ephesians chapter one, the apostle Paul encourages us to pray that the spirit, the inner man would be enlightened Turn the light on. When knowledge shows up, it exposes ignorance. When knowledge shows up, it exposes that darkness. But you'll find that people in deception, they don't wanna hear truth. They can't tolerate truth because they know the light will come on and it'll expose them for who they are. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. I mean, just, let me just say this too. that many of us do this with godly counsel. We don't seek godly counsel on a matter because we already know the truth that the Holy Spirit's been revealing to us and we know that they're gonna reinforce what the Holy Spirit's saying and you are building up within yourself a hardness to truth and a hardness to the light well, I don't wanna to talk to pastor about that because I already know what he's gonna say. You sure do, because the Holy Spirit's been telling you this whole time. And if you just yield to the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need a meeting with pastor. Y'all okay? I've done it too. I've done it too. I find the times that I'm most open to submit something to my pastor is when I know I'm yielded in whatever direction he feels the Holy Spirit is leading us to go. And he never tells me something that I don't already know the Holy Spirit's showing me. I'm reaching out to him as godly counsel, godly wisdom to confirm with what I know the Holy Spirit. So, you know what, right? You're right. I, I, I sense that that's what the Holy Spirit was telling us. It bears witness. If you find yourself in a situation where you are, and not just from your pastors, it could be from your brothers and sisters. 
Why don't you ever talk to me about it? Why don't you ever bring that up? It's because they knew you would give them truth. Come on, your friends are not the ones that tell you whatever you want to hear. Go ahead and leave them on the the Facebook profile. You call, text, and reach out to the ones that you know will tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. You know what? You're, You're right. Holy Spirit's been prompting me about that. See, I always tell people, if I counsel somebody, especially if it's in, you know, rebellion or a failure in in some way, a sin in some way, I'm the second one, at least the second one. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to you about this. Now I got to get involved because you weren't listening to him. And if you continue to refuse the word of the Spirit, then refuse the counsel that comes, you're going to harden yourself to it and eventually you're going to buy the lie that makes the truth the lie and makes your lie the truth. I've watched it happen all too often. Claiming to be wise, verse 22 says, they became fools. Exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over. He will deliver you over. He will let you. If you want to pursue the counterfeit, he will let you. He let Adam. He could have easily said, whoa, stop, stop. He's luring you. You don't want to listen to him. Could easily come down for him and stop and said, no, I will let you. I will let you. Deliver them over into the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies would were degraded among themselves. Verse 25, here it is. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Ephesians chapter four, gotta move. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, the new King James. Goes on to further identify, he gave himself, verse 11, gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the fivefold ministry gifts, for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it is, that we should no longer be children, Everyone say children. This is why we gotta grow in God's word. Don't be children tossed to and fro, being tossed to and fro, following every doctrine that shows up, following every ministry that arrives at your doorstep, following everything, every video that you see without bringing counsel and question by the word of God and your spiritual leaders. It is at a mark of immaturity, not maturity. Look at how spiritual, no, look at how unspiritual you are. Tossed to and fro by everyone that shows up alluring and saying, we're the ministry of this and the ministry of that. No. You don't build your spiritual profile, so to speak, by accumulating every voice, every word, every thought, every idea 
over time. Actually, a better mark of maturity is you whittle that thing down to a very sharp, lasered focus. Amen. You're not impressing us how many conferences you've been to. Not impressing us every little revival you show up at. Not impressing us by everybody you follow. It's not working. It's opening you up to be deceived. Being tossed around by every wind. Wind of doctrine. It's doctrine, but it's not the right doctrine. It doesn't say uh, every, it doesn't even say every wind of false doctrine. Uh Uh-oh. Every wind of doctrine. By the trickery, there's that deceptiveness again, of men in the cunning, cunning, there it is. That's the same word used in Genesis chapter three, verse one. The cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Are you seeing the effort given to be seductive, to be attractive, and to be deceptive? It's a lot of effort going on here. The the enemy may be working harder to deliver us a lie than we are to know truth. That is a lot of work. He just, I mean, it's almost like a tongue twister. The trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I mean, Paul could have easily just said, you know, in the trickery. But he's trying to help you see it's so subtle. It's so deceptive. It looks so good. We got people today still picking fruit off of trees they have no business picking fruit from. And notice he started this whole thing off by saying, I've given you a five-fold ministry to keep you straight. I've given you, a, a, I've given you five gifts in the body. You know, the enemy has taken those five gifts. I don't have time to teach on that today, but the enemy has taken those five gifts. He's put them at odds with each other. Pastors hating on evangelists and evangelists hating on teachers and teachers hating on prophets and prophets hating on apostles and apostles hating, and it's just such a mess. They are five, five-fold ministry, a part of the same ministry the same hand, the same body, with the same mission. We're not at odds. We should be working together. The apostle can do what I can't do. And I can do what the teacher can't do. And I can do what the evangelist can't do, but the evangelist can do what the prophet can't do. And it's all understanding that I don't need to do it all. I need to just do my part. And if we would do that, we would equip the saints so that they wouldn't be tossed to and fro. The ample to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. (laughs) Wow. The Passion Translation reads, and then our immaturity will end. 
We will not easily be shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies, but instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. I want to show you the formation of deception. Close with this. The formation of deception. Number one is distraction. Distraction is simply where we hear a lie. Adam and Eve got distracted in that garden. The Pharisees got distracted. The Judaizers behind Paul's ministry got distracted. Distractions. You can't always avoid distractions, but you ought to do the best job you can to avoid distractions. But I'll tell you right now, you're not gonna live a perfect life that is completely devoid of distractions. You're just gonna need to know what to do with the distraction when it shows up. Distraction is the level where we hear the lie. This is why we are commanded and directed to pay close attention. Anybody ever heard that growing up? Pay attention. Why? Because I need your undivided attention. Undivided. Attention can be divided. And when attention becomes divided, eventually your mind will, and eventually your life will. No, centered, laser focused, pay close attention. And when something does show up, you'll much better be able to identify the lie, identify how it's out of line, identify where it's misleading and incorrect because you pay such close attention to the authentic that you can tell the counterfeit. Number two is delusion. Delusion. Delusion is a change in thinking that is shaped and molded over time. Rick Renner writes this in his book. None of this happens overnight. Sin and deception follow progressive steps along the way that only a discerning heart firmly founded in God's word, will recognize. It's our responsibility to take an uncompromising stance on God's word and to serve as the restraining force that impedes deception's forward progress in society so it cannot take hold and entrench itself in people's minds as just the way things are. But for the delusional, the distraction eventually becomes the way of life. For the delusional, the distraction ultimately replaces the truth and says, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it is. And you exchange the truth of God for a lie. That's a delusion. When you believe a lie over truth. When you believe that the counterfeit is stronger than the authentic. Up is down, down is up. Left is right, right is left. Come on, we're living in that delusional world. 
And the third level, the third level is deception. 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 When we yield, when we become distracted, we yield to the distraction. We ultimately no longer just hear a lie, believe a lie. Now we will defend a lie. We will promote the lie as truth and we will defend it. They'll, They'll stand up for it. It, you know, sometimes deceived people have more, a re, more of a resolve. Worship team, go ahead and come on up. Sometimes deceptive people, deceived people, have more of, of a resolve in their stance in a position than people do in the word of God. Are we gonna let the deceived be more relentless than we are? Are we going to let the deceived be more resolved in their belief system than we are? Are we going to let them challenge the truth and wonder and question within ourselves? I'll say it this way. His church won't. I didn't give them the verse, but I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says the church. It's the pillar and support of truth. His church will defend truth at all costs. His truth will maintain, his church will maintain truth. His church will uphold truth and will not bow. Will not bow to culture. Will not bow to the ideals and the imaginations that the natural man can come up with. Will not bow to every flow, every wind, the, the tossing and the waves of doctrine, but remains firmly grounded. Because while we have believers that are being tossed to and fro, there are deceived people that they are grounded in what they believe. They're grounded in what they know. They're grounded in this is the way it should be. No. He's calling a church that will be resolved. A church with fortitude in these last days. A church that will be relentless in the purity, the holiness, the sanctity of his word and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, we choose today to be a part of your relentless church, your resolved church, church, your immovable church, uncompromising and unwavering in our belief and in your word. We are grounded. We are founded. We are unshakable in the truth. And we refuse any counterfeit. We refuse the options and the suggestions that the enemy may try to rise up with. No, we stand. We stand. And when we've done all to stand, we stand. We remain. Remain fitted to the vine. Remain jointed to the body. 
remain conformed to your word so that we can be transformed in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. What a great day in the house of God. Amen. God is so good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.